0: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Employment Law Matters. This week I'm discussing employees who go AWOL, absent without leave. Now that can refer to someone who's taking time off work without complying with procedures, but everyone knows where they are. More commonly, it refers to an employee who goes off the radar for a significant amount of time. They don't answer their phone. Colleagues are in the dark about their whereabouts. And in this episode, you'll learn why it's dangerous to assume the employee has resigned, whether you can argue frustration of contract or that the employee has self-dismissed, and how to handle the inevitably artificial dismissal process. Before we start, a big thank you to iTunes reviewer ThatCat212. ThatCat212 said on iTunes... Amazing podcasts that are both easy to listen to, provide you information on the subject, and keep you entertained. Please keep them coming. I have introduced them to my whole team. Thank you so much, ThatCat212. If you send an email to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk, we'll send you a copy of my book, Employee Investigations, as a thank you, as we will do every single week for somebody who has put a review on iTunes during the last week. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Going AWOL is rare, but it happens. A new recruit doesn't turn up after their first week, or maybe an employee facing dismissal can't be contacted. There may even be issues involved where an employee has lost their right to work in the UK, or maybe they're lying low after committing a crime. The underlying reasons will generally inform your view of their culpability and what your response should be. Absence occasioned by a family member's sudden illness isn't the same as absence for a sneaky holiday in Spain. There are a few potential employment law routes to resolving AWOL situations, but all begin with a view of employer risk based on the employee's length of service for unfair dismissal, and other potential liabilities such as discrimination. Some employers will take a, they've clearly thrown in the towel, let's move on, stance and interpret an employee's absence as a resignation. Now, one advantage of it being a resignation is if it's a resignation, it's not a dismissal. In normal situations, if it's not a dismissal, it can't be an unfair dismissal. But a key aspect of a legally effective resignation is the lack of ambiguity about what's intended. That's why most employers insist on notice in writing. That's not the case with an AWOL employee. They might have resigned, but they might not have done. And it's risky to assume resignation in that situation. Now, you can mitigate the risk by sending an email or a letter to the employee saying, unless we hear from you by date, you will be taken to have resigned your position. That would seem fair enough. But where an employee doesn't respond and you wrap up the employment on the basis of a resignation, there's still a chance that will be found to be a dismissal. And as most employers in that situation won't have gone through a dismissal procedure, probably wouldn't even have crossed their minds, unfair dismissal, along with enhanced compensation for breach of the ACAS code, is a real possibility. What would that mean in practice? Well, although the employee would have a strong legal argument they'd been dismissed and would probably win an unfair dismissal claim if they had two years service, you as the employer would almost certainly get the compensation reduced by a significant amount, probably 100%, because of the way the employees behaved. So ultimately, the risk in taking the resignation route to you is legal costs and an unfair dismissal finding, but perhaps not so much in terms of unfair dismissal compensation. Can you argue the contract's been frustrated? When a contract's frustrated, it's treated as having automatically terminated from that point on. And crucially, when a contract is frustrated, there's no dismissal. Frustration applies where something has happened for which neither you nor the employee is responsible and which neither party had anticipated. Now, this is unlikely. In the vast majority of AWOL cases. But there may be occasions where the situation between the parties has changed so much it's impossible for the employment contract to continue on the basis on which it was entered into. If an employee suddenly disappears for months on end with no sign of returning, frustration might well bring their contract to an end. But there'd need to be more than just a hiatus. The benefit of a frustrated contract is an unfair dismissal claim won't get off the grounds, although the risk of discrimination claims remain. But the courts don't like frustration arguments. It's a very difficult argument to win. I generally only run frustration arguments when I get involved after something's gone wrong and we're looking for something to rely on to say this contract ended. I very, very rarely, in fact, I can't think I've ever done it, advised an employer before things were too late to actually argue frustration and say someone's contract ends because it's frustrated. Much better to go down the dismissal route, which I'll talk about in just a moment. Can you argue the employee has self-dismissed in legal language that they've repudiated the employment contract? Well, their conduct rather has to be pretty serious. You've got to be satisfied they've been willfully disobedient and they've deliberately flouted the contract. Now, some AWOL cases do fall into this trap, but the concept of self-dismissal the implied termination of the employment contract has been discredited in recent years, causing a great deal of doubt on an employer's ability to interpret the situation of an AWOL employee as the employee having chosen to bring their employment to an end. Some action on the employer's part is needed in order for the dismissal to take effect. You would need to accept the breach and the termination would then count as dismissal. So the safest bet, frankly, is to go through a fair dismissal procedure. How do you do it? Dismissal is a potentially fair consequence of unauthorised absence, but as with all disciplinary decisions, the reasonableness of dismissal will be up for debate. Remember, someone can only claim if they've worked for two years or more. Here's the procedure in a nutshell. Do everything you can to contact the employee to find out why they're absent and when, if ever, they're likely to return. Invite them to a disciplinary, tell them they can be accompanied, tell them if they don't attend you'll go ahead with the hearing in their absence and the outcome might be dismissal. Set a deadline for them to respond and give them the chance to send in written submissions carry out the usual fair procedure as far as the hearing goes including offering a right of appeal in other words do everything you do if the employee was present and crucially keep them informed as best you can at every stage be aware of the potential for an awol employee to reappear without warning some weeks or months down the line and argue you sent letters to the wrong address or they didn't pick up your voicemails and This should be all the incentive you need to be as certain as you can that you follow up using the most up to date details on file and that you make the right inquiries as to their whereabouts and that you have a complete record of the delivery and receipt of everything you've sent and every phone call you make. A contractual term, by the way, about deemed notice could well be your trump card. My advice in a persistent AWOL case is normally to head down the dismissal route as opposed to relying on the other, more difficult arguments. It has the benefit of a process to follow, albeit one that will take a little bit of time and effort. Make sure your attempts to make contact are regular and varied. Keep trying. Keep good notes. In your letters and your emails and your voicemails, remind the employee of your absence reporting process and make it clear in not being ready and willing to work they're forfeiting their right to pay for that period you may have to modify this approach in the case of an employee who is or might be disabled consider reasonable adjustments but provided you tick the boxes in terms of trying to track down and communicate with the employee I think it's unlikely you'll face criticism from a tribunal. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Next week's episode is on disrupting disciplinaries. That covers the situation of the employee who either goes off sick or puts in a grievance as soon as they find themselves facing a disciplinary process. Again, thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate all and any feedback. So please drop me an email on podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. And if you want a chance of being picked to win my Employee Investigations book, leave a review on iTunes. Thank you and goodbye.